Hi. Hello. I'm Julian. And I'm Tom. We are Team Binge. Thank you for joining us. From the top, we are here to talk about episode five. We got letters from millions of listeners <laughs> about some of the confusion with, with which we released episodes. Not that there should have been, because they're all labeled in <laughs> numerical order. But just so we all know, this one is episode five. If you don't speak English, which I don't know why you're listening to us, this episode was called <laughs> The Calling. So mm-hmm. if you don't speak number English, then know by the title that this one is called The Calling. You're not making it any more confusing. Good job. Nope. I've done a great job communicating. Communicating is one of my love languages. So I'm very good at it. And that's why I'm always so, so very, very lonely. <laughs> Tom, I really like this episode. I'm just going to get into it from the top. Okay, this one please. has some, like, I don't know. Like, I'm never going to say this show's like spooky or like horror, but there mm-hmm. is an element of like, wait, what's going on? That's a little bit terrifying. Like, maybe it's just because, I mean, much like Dark, a German show, and it's just going to be terrifying one way or another. I don't know. I'm not making any um, quick judgments there. But the stuff that happens in this episode with, like, the people going into the kind of trance, like, Mm -hmm. and just all that stuff, I really like this episode. It went in a way that I was like, oh, I'm not prepared for this. I don't know what's going on. I still don't know what's going on. Um, But I really did enjoy, like, the... And this was like, someone went to the directors and they were like, and the writers, and they're like, listen, by the time we get to episode five, like, we're going to be real close to budget. And they're like, oh, do you think like the extras are probably an overhead cost that we can get rid of? And they're like, that would be nice. And one of the writers is like, I got a great idea to get rid of everyone else on this ship other than the title actors. I don't know. Do you think that stuff comes into play when they make these decisions? They're like, listen, we need to thin the cast real quick. So, Well, I have I have questions about that because there are multiple scenes where they show people jumping off. I'm like, man, how many people are on this boat? But a I lot less you, like, now, Tom. A lot less now. It's the response. <laughs> so true. Um, but I'm with you. Like, I liked it. I'll be honest, though. Like, once it finished, I was like, oh, my gosh. There was just so much thrown at you in this episode than there has been in anything else. Like, I'm all for, like, throwing a little twist and throwing a little mystery. But this had so much, I struggled to keep up. So, I don't know. Like, I've got a, I've got a love-hate relationship. But I'm with you on, like, the, the way it's shot those wide shots they do of everybody like leaping off the boat are just intense. Um, some of the shots they do kind of going through the door and then going into like their dream sequences and stuff, I think are super cool. So still a lot going on, still very much enjoy the show, but it definitely picked up its pace in this episode. Oh, I like it. I like it. They're like, listen, have you been confused? Well, guess what? <laughs> we made dark, so we're going to confuse you even more. Here it comes. Buckle up, buttercup. All right, let's kick this thing off. The calling. We wake up with no wake up. It's just Mara, and she's in the middle of nowhere, and we are going to become very familiar with this. Can we just call this like the mountaintop, like the mountain meadow? What do you want to call this? It is gorgeous. Yeah, this huge open area, snow mountains in the background, and this just lone mansion in the middle of nowhere. Sure. 
Yeah, I don't think it's supposed to be like, oh, I'd like to vacation there. I don't think that's the <laughs> point of this. But um, for the sake of brevity, and, and I like giving things code names, we're just going to call this the mountaintop. So okay, like she it. wakes up on the mountaintop. She's running around. We see a grave. Anytime there's a freshly dug grave, things are about to get weird. Uh, <laughs> and this is a grave for someone by the name of Wake Up. Or I don't know if they do like first name, last name. So up wake. I don't know what it is. But the person's name on the cross was wake up. Then we Did get it actually the... say that? I, don't know. I must have missed that. Did it say wake up on the cross? Yeah, on the cross it said wake up. Oh. Because later it. on someone else approaches a, a, that same one and there's nothing mm-hmm. written on it. So mm, okay. listen, if I'm wrong, no one's going to correct me because <laughs> I'm infallible. Well, let's. Let's say this at the top because we did we watched this in a in a bunch too. So we watched five and six. So we'll be recording both of them right now. Just again, heads up, we're gonna try to stay away from any sort of conversation about what happened in episode six, but we are aware. Um, so um, if that's a thing and you want to be able to go and listen or watch both of them and come back and binge both of these podcasts, please do so. Okay. That's a good point. Allow me to tell you how episode six ends. <laughs> All right. She then has a repeat of that flashback that we saw in like episode one of her mm-hmm. being dragged down the hall. She's asking about her brother. She's in the insane asylum and she gets that very gentle, sweet syringe to the neck. <laughs> Do you think this is, is the assumption still this is a flashback? Like some of the stuff that's kind of going on and what we know after this episode, like I almost get the thought that it might be it is a flash forward maybe. Like, is this something like, I so don't know. So you think she is seeing what happens in the future? Yeah, potentially. Like, because we have these things about, like, her dream sequence and things like that and kind of stepping into this universe. Like, how many how many times has this happened to her? I don't know. I just kind of flashed in my mind watching this. It just seemed like it was different than the other flashbacks we've had. Well, this is a repeat from the earlier one, though, right? We saw this all before. True, but I, my, my mind is just thinking that maybe all of hers are not actual flashbacks. Like, maybe hers are flash-forwards. Like, she's seeing it differently. I I don't think they're flash-forwards because no one can see the future, Tom, so that's impossible. <laughs> um, and this show follows strict rules about what's possible and what's not possible. So True. they would never do something <laughs> weird uh, or uh, not within our reality. I think maybe, I would argue this might be a false memory because she does Mm -hmm. make a comment later on about I was a doctor in a mental hospital, but my memory is of being a patient. And she makes some comment about that being um, Mm -hmm. changed. And man, I hope I like that because maybe that is. I just feel like this is like a different like vibe than the other flashbacks we've gotten from the other characters thus far. Okay, okay. She wakes up. She's next to Daniel. He's staring at her with those, I'm going to guess, white eyes. I don't know what his eye color is. Um, (laughs) But they're in that, like, I don't know, family meeting room. And the boy is locked in the cabinet via crowbar. And then we cut very quickly from there to Ivan leading the mutiny. And there's this discussion about how far they're going to go. And Mother Danish, who... um, I do think we learned her name, but I'm going to continue to call her Mother Danish because it's Mm -hmm. great. She's like, listen, sacrifices need to be made in order for us to win. Oh, because all these, like... All the crew guys are like, are we going to get in trouble when we get to America? Or, like, if we go back... And she's like, listen, 
and she uses a word I'm not going to use because this is a this is a kid's podcast. Um, <laughs> but she tells them to buckle up, and they're going to make sacrifices so that they can win. Mm-hmm. And then her children go off in a side room and like, listen, mom's crazy, right? You realize that <laughs> mom is absolutely not hearing from God, but is mm-hmm. is crazy. And by children, I mean. Tove and Crester? I'm never going to get her name right, so I'm just going to say Tove. Tove? This is okay. a Tove, yeah. But yeah, I think at this point we've we've established that Mother Danish is spoiled. The <laughs> Danish is spoiled. The Danish is spoiled. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like Crester. the sequence, though, because we get, like, these two siblings. Cause I don't think they've ever, like, had a conversation about their mom, right? And, like, how she's cuckoo bananas, and now they're both, like, kind of coming to terms with it, I guess. Or maybe it's just Tove. Is there... I mean... The best conversations as an adult, if you have siblings, are like those times where you like turn to your sibling and you're like, do you remember when they did this? Or like, <laughs> can you believe mom or dad just did that? Like my favorite conversations at this part in my life are <laughs> like two drinks in being like, do you remember? Can you imagine? <laughs> like, especially now that I'm a parent. Um, but no, you're right. We never really see them talking mm-hmm. about it, but, and these are my other favorite conversations that sibling ha- siblings have is Crestor's like, Hey, remember that time you murdered someone, <laughs> which my second favorite conversations are when siblings are like, Hey, remember when we murdered that guy? <sighs> and then to- Christ, right? Like yes. we'll find out more about, um, her, her backstory. Well, this goes along with your, your th- like connection that you made a while ago is like all these people have like murdered someone prior to getting mm-hmm. on this boat. This is a boat full of murderers, accidental or other, I don't know, manslaughterers or murderers. This is what these okay, two I ships gotta, should be named. I got a theory that just popped in the head then. So like if this, what we get in this episode as we get into the details, like it's a lot more, are we in a dream kind of thing, right? Like are all these people, are they like tapping into these people that are in prison or in jail because they have murdered somebody in the past and they're like, you know, tapping into their brains because they don't have like any free will anymore. So they're like using these people as experiments to like bring in their subconscious into Mars dreams. I don't know if that makes any sense in the, in the, uh, kind of tangent or the segment of the whole show as, as of this far. So are you wondering if this is like a collective dream? And the yeah. subjects that are being, um, the subjects that are being submitted to this are uh, prisoners, uh, essentially like death mm-hmm. row prisoners. Because if it goes horribly wrong, no one cares about them. Is that mm-hmm. is that your theory? I don't know. I mean, just as you were talking about that and that the fact that everybody on this boat seems to be a killer in some way, it just kind of popped in my head. I don't know. I like it. I like every bit of it, and. I hope it's not that because I don't want to <laughs> guess what's real yet. I want to, I want to kind of, you know. But if that's how it turns out, then yeah, you and I were both right. We both <laughs> guessed exactly the same thing at the same time, so we'll both have a moment of uh, patting each other on the back. Not mm-hmm. one person being smarter than the other, you know. No. Nothing like mm-hmm. that. <sighs> one day I'm gonna be the smart person. <laughs> The key we, is just to throw as many theories out as possible, and then eventually you can say, hey, got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're a prophet, Tom. You'd be a great prophet, in fact. It was really, really good. 
All right. Uh, that conversation ends with Tove taking a shotgun, and she's like, I'm going to go do business. And I'm like, okay. She killed once. She's going to go kill, I guess, twice because it's a double-barrel shotgun. From there, we go to Clements and Lucene, and I don't know that I care about their storyline, but they have a conversation about you know the life he's led. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We go from there. What's important is we've got teams. We've got the captain's <laughs> team, and we've got Ivan's team. Or is it Mother Danish's team? I don't know who's the captain of that team. Probably Mother Danish. But Who's Ivan? Is it Ivan or is it Franz? Oh. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's Franz. <laughs> okay. Can those be like, interchangeable? I think those are interchangeable <laughs> if in the native tongue. Sorry. Good question. Who's, who's Ivan? Who's this character straight up? <laughs> Uh, well, I told you I'm not the smart one. You're the smart one. All right. Thanks for correcting me. We go to the captain's team. They're all hanging out. Tove shows up, and she shows up like she like comes into the room pointing the shotgun at everyone, and then she's like, oh, why'd you think I'm not here to help? And they're like, because you were pointing that gun at us, and you came through the door like a SWAT came team. In hot. Yeah, came in hot. Very good. Yeah. Mara comes in and she she goes for the cabinet Mm -hmm. and everyone's like, no, don't let the boy out. And we get some bullet time here, Tom. We get (laughs) someone shoots, time stops. Did you notice who jumped to block the bullet, seemingly? Mm -hmm. Daniel. Daniel jumped right in the way. He was going to be the the savior here. Well, he was going to look like it. There's no way he was going to get there in time. He's not that yeah. fast. But at least he could be like, oh, I tried. Anyways, time stops. Mara's like, oh, this happens to me all the time. She walks over. She plucks the bullet out of the air. That bullet would be pretty hot. And then she releases the boy. He comes out. And he's not affected by time stopping. And neither is Mara affected by time stopping. And let's discuss these things, Tom, like they are perfectly normal and we were not thrown <laughs> off by this sequence at all. Um, well, first who off, controls I the say, time, Tom? Who controls time? That's a fair question. But first off, I want to say I was just super excited when this happened because now the show is officially timey-wimey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who actually did this? I mean, the, the obvious answer is the boy, right? Because he's still holding on to this pyramid that does who knows what. Um, or do you think it's like Mara somehow, like she was overcome with something that she was able to, to stop time and like just disappear from the scene from every other character's perspective. This is like a, like a fear response. Like she knows Mm -hmm. she's about to get shot. So she is able to do that. The, I mean, the way I feel like the show is pointing us to is the boy did it with the pyramid. Mm -hmm. Um, because he does like locked up, right? Like he couldn't see it happen. Maybe you could say he heard the gunshot and then, you know, immediately reacted and like the, it's like the boy's reaction. I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, there's cool she like, seems CGI surprised. going on. There's cool CGI going on, right? Like around her, it's like this aura of like, I don't know, call it time for lack of a better word. It kind of like goes all around her. And then she kind of sees the same with the bullet. Oh, you thought that was CGI? I, I thought that was, <laughs> I thought those were practical effects as they say in the business. I don't know. My thought is the boy did it with the pyramid because she seems pretty surprised and he comes out of that cabinet and is just like, oh, another day on the boat. Well, <laughs> point me to the buffet table. You know, mm-hmm. where's the next port of call? I don't know. What I do know is this is when that siren starts 
and they leave the room, uh, which makes you start to wonder about all the magician shows you've ever seen, where <laughs> the magician is there and then they're gone. Like, do you feel like maybe this show exposed a lot of magicians' tricks? Yeah, little boys at pyramids. Little boys pyramids. <laughs> doesn't sound right for some reason. <laughs> Anyways, they come to the captain. I don't know how many times the captain grabs someone and shakes them and like <laughs> stares into their face, but he is go-to move. Daniel, yeah, it's go-to move. We very quickly, this, listen, I'm not going to, I don't like picking a lot of nit, nits with this show because it's perfect in every way, <laughs> but... They go from she just disappeared with the boy while we were shooting at her to the very practical, listen, we need to figure out the Cole situation. Like, they, they, this kind of, like, they're surprised, but then very quickly they're like, hey, let's, you know, we need to take care of the Cole and, and take the ship over. Like, did you it was like, a little quick and right, abrupt, right? Yeah. Like not only did that happen, but then you've got these sirens going on. It is what was was the captain? Did he know of these sirens? Like, do they exist? These are like the ship's sirens going off if something is happening, or is this just like otherworldly? There's just sirens going on in the abyss. I didn't feel like because someone's like, "What was that? What is that?" So yeah, I didn't feel like these sirens were like a normal ship alarm. Yeah, um, but I mean, the them, only thing I can, as I say, the only thing I could say from to your point earlier is like, um, Captain probably thought about this, the idea of like we're going to run out of coal and we're going to run out of it quickly. Then all this crazy stuff happens, and he doesn't know how to cope with that, but he knows how. Like he at least knows logically what that next move should be. Which mm. I thought the disappearance of Mara was so sudden. His new love was so sudden <laughs> that he was like, I'm just going to think about something practical like coal. Mm-hmm. As one does, but the ticking starts, mm-hmm. and I really like siren this. stops. Ticking starts. The ticking starts, and all the extras on the show, <laughs> all the ones that don't get paid for dialogue, start marching to the ticking clock like zombies. And I really like this. I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait, what? What's going on? This was awesome. I really yeah. enjoyed it. They were all like moths to the flame of the water. Like, yeah, I like the way it kind of cut. <laughs> yeah, and I like the way it kind of transitions here of, like, all these, like, extra zombie walking down the halls doing who knows what and going who knows where. Um, and then it kind of cuts the crester, and he's, like, just slowly tapping on his cross, like, yep. on, uh, in the steerage area. So it's like, at first I was like, oh, is crester, like, controlling these people by tapping his cross? He's the one making the ticking noise. But, I, I mean, I think we very quickly realized that that's him, like, falling under the spell of this of this tick. Right, right. So I've got some questions for you as we're walk- watching all these people walk through the hall. Mm-hmm. We don't know what time of day it is, right? We don't know. We're assuming Night. it's daytime. Do We don't know if it's... Well, we see them come off the ship, and it's like there's some light, right? So it's mm-hmm. not like pitch black. Um, everyone's really well-dressed, like super well-dressed. <laughs> like by today's standards, they're going to either a wedding or a funeral. You're telling me there's not one person at this moment out of all these hundreds of thousands of people that wasn't going to the bathroom at the time. You know, there's not one person shuffling down this hallway with their pants around their ankles, like just moving. And I watched. I watched the scene at least 18 times. I didn't see anyone 
mid anything embarrassing. It's like they were all <laughs> ready to march to the tick of the tap. All well, the maybe that's off. just the ones that we saw walking down the hallway. When they do some of the white shots of more people falling off, then maybe those were the ones that were uh, in. I, Tom, I paused and zoomed in on every <laughs> on everybody. I didn't see any white cheeks at all. Anyways... <laughs> None of the mutineers, um, we'll call them, for your sake, we'll call them Franz's gang. I like to call them <laughs> Ivan's gang, but none of the mutineers seem to be affected. Like when they're in the room, because the people are just like walking by through the hallway. Mm-hmm. But then I think later on, we do see some guys from that group start like being, because that's the thing. It Like, as we find out, it's not everyone is immediate. Like, like some mm-hmm. people get taken by it like later than others. Right. And so none of the mutineers initially seem to be taken by it. Some of the coal shovelers are. And then all these people, you've been on a cruise, Tom. Typically when mm-hmm. you all see people like that moving in a line to somewhere, it's because it's lunchtime or <laughs> it's the the limbo competition on deck, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, or if you go on the right, white, uh, the right cruise, it's one of those... Um, where they spray water on t-shirts to see how well the t-shirts hold up. I don't remember what the competitions are called, but it's like, you know, is fabric better? Is I, I've never understood the point of those competitions, but uh, it's like, which shirt is more waterproof, I guess. I don't know. I've never attended one. But um, all these people are like lined up to go to the buffet. I believe that's where they're going, right? That's the end destination of these zombies. I think they're just going swimming. Um <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There's that old saying, right? If, a, if somebody jumps off a boat, would you jump off with them? And apparently everybody's like, yeah, sure. Seems yep. cool. Yep, that is the old saying. Yep. <laughs> but I do love this shot, right? Because it, uh, it shows like a couple people like jump off and then it does a wide shot of just like, I don't know, like lemmings falling off the boat and just boom, 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 hit, hitting the water. And then, of course, the, the two you know bigger characters that we see in this initial siren call or whatever is... Is it Lingy's mom? Yep. She jumps first. She's I the think. first one. Yeah, because yeah. she turns at the railing, looks at the camera, and they're like, "Don't look at the camera." And then she turns <laughs> and jumps off the boat. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then we get Cruster, and I think Cruster like, and both both Ying Li sees her mom jump, and Cruster's dad uh, sees him jump too. So it's right. like just even more brutal that yeah. you know their their friends' family are, are watching them do this. What's funny is I thought they were doing a fake out with Crester. I thought when he like stood up and he moved in time, I was like, they're going to have him do something to like make mm-hmm. us realize he's not taken by it. But nope, he jumped off and <laughs> it was not all that great. But nope. back in 1899, everyone was swimming. So I'm sure all <laughs> these people will be fine. Much like Galadriel hopping off in the middle of the ocean. Exactly. These guys are also hopping off. I'm sure the mm-hmm. same thing will will happen to them. Here are the shots that I thought were like actually worse than the like not worse but like more eerie than mm-hmm. the or eerie, I don't know. Uh than the <laughs> wide shot or like watching is the people that are below deck and you just get the shadow over the porthole. Right. Like and so Lucine and Clements, I'm assuming they're about to do marital things because they're so in love. All of a sudden, they're startled because these bodies are just hitting the floor like the famous mm. song by, by P.O.D. Limp Biscuit. I don't know. <laughs> P.O.D. is a better guess than what I. That was incredible. Yeah, good work. All right. 
Um, it is definitely an ire scene, though. You're right. So ire. <laughs> I was full of ire. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mora and the boy start writing notes because he speaks, right? He speaks, yeah, so but he's... This sets it up. He First, he writes a note to her, hands it to her, and says, then the note says, they are listening. And then he goes right up to her ear and whispers, I can't tell you, you have to ask the creator, which is like, boom, big moment, right? The kid does speak. Uh, he just chooses his words carefully or knows he's being constantly watched. So you've got to whisper. Yeah. Probably there's probably Alexas in all those rooms. Am I right, <laughs> exactly. man? They're constantly listening. You know, our phones, our our Alexas. Listen, if you're if you don't think big government is out there, Tom, give me a couple of minutes. I've got some things to Please, say. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Let me turn Listen, my lights on. Birds, drones, they're always listening. I think birds? I've made my. I think I've made my point. Okay. Um, uh, speaking of birds, drones, and me making my point, the first mate who's part of big government, you know he is. You know he's part of the system, Tom. He's he's one of the they that I've been mm-hmm. telling you about. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, I don't know how to recover from that. But the first mate uh, types some code. What is the thing called? Like, what is the interface on the wall with the weird cylinders and gears that, like, eventually Daniel will go to it. The first mate goes to it. I feel like we need a name for that thing. Much it's, like it's, the mountaintop, what should we no, call good. it? It's the mainframe. Okay, the mainframe. It's called the mainframe. Yeah, because okay. it seems to like, when they're using their like crazy pop-it remote control things, it seems mm-hmm. like it controls that. Like that is a central hub for shenanigans. Okay, okay. See, what I like hub. I like about our relationship is, is I set you up for like a joke to like give me a really good like oh we're gonna call it the i don't know whatever who, who can come up with jokes on the spot i don't know but you obviously being the jokester said mainframe which is just a killer killer comedy <laughs> bit so i guess we're gonna Listen, call it the, the mainframe i got so. the shenanigans up you just need to give me time we're, we're calling it the shenanigans up i would like, like to the... call it the mainframe <laughs> out of spite <laughs> Most of my life has lived out of spite, Tom. I'd like to just go off the mainframe now. This is this is true. I know this about you. <laughs> the shenanigan hub. All right. So he types some stuff into the shenanigan hub. And in my notes, I wrote, nothing seems to change. But I think I wrote, I typed too quickly because I think something does happen, right? I don't know if anything does really. You just kind of hear noises. It almost sounds like it's powering back up to do something. I'm not sure. I think we probably get a better sense toward the end of the episode what it is. But right at this moment, I, it just kind of sounds like it's powering it up. Right. We then go to the two groups meeting in the hallway. So family meeting, but not mm-hmm. in the main family meeting area. This is in the hallway. And... <laughs> There's some comedy in the fact that these two groups are like uh, about to get into an argument with all these zombies walking by. Like, 
And you're like trying to be like you're trying to like yell at someone, but someone's like breaking your eye line. Like they they could have had some like you point at someone and you accidentally poke a zombie in the side of the face, but they like keep moving by. Uh, they're like everyone's jumping overboard, and mm-hmm. so yeah, they. Uh, it's tough to also like bring up old grudges when this new found zombie um, lemming suicide <laughs> is happening. So. Uh, pretty quickly, they're like, let's all work together. I just couldn't get over how many passengers there were. I think they do like another wide shot here, show more people jumping off. It seems like they're just constant. And this is not that big of a ship. This is no Titanic. Sure. Oh, I oh, I think this is as big as the Titanic. I think so. Titanic was well, 1912, man. I mean, the Titanic's not very big now. But when it was <laughs> floating, when it too was soon. above the surface. It's too um, soon, man. Too soon. Uh, the, ooh, I had a thing to say about the amount of passengers and it was, I think what we have here is they, you know, budgetary reasons. They've got stock footage somewhere. They went in the archives. They found <laughs> stock footage of people throwing themselves off an ocean liner and they're just like, listen, we're not going to shoot the shot for the show. So let's just this, you know, I don't know, drone shot from the late 1800s when a bunch of people jumped <laughs> off an ocean liner. Let's just roll that that B footage um, over and over again. Save some... I'm about budget saving, you know? <laughs> Olick and Ying and Ling Yi meet. And my... I, I'm always... How are these two communicating, Tom? I know love is a universal language. Don't tell me about love being a universal language and how... Love is all you need. Don't quote Corinthians at me, Tom. Just how are these two talking? Explain this to me. Because they're not speaking the same language. Uh, it's love, Julian. There's no other fathomable, reasonable explanation outside of love. The show makes more sense than them talking does. <laughs> the show makes more sense than them talking. <laughs> them understanding each other. Oh, man. That's great. I do think they're probably doing like enough like body language kind of stuff so you can probably get some of what they're saying. And I don't think in at least in this sequence they're not having full on conversations. It's kind of more just like I don't know, quick and oh. easy things. Oh, I think Olick and Ling Yi are doing full on body language. <laughs> I yeah. I don't okay. think there's no two ways about it. I think they're <laughs> speaking the universal language, mm. you know. Of love. Yes, you're right. You're right. Uh, See, you got there. It took you a while. You got there. Yeah, I did get there. Hopefully they get there. The boy takes Mara down the hatch, which I I think as he's going down, he says, he tells her, like, don't be afraid, which I thought was kind of interesting. Again, we're getting more talking from the boy. So now kind of anything he says, I'm very interested in it. Okay. He says, don't be afraid. Sure. Mm -hmm. But I'd still be afraid. So (laughs) joke's on him. Uh, we use, as normal people do, a beetle to open a panel in a wall. Yep. Ringo pulls out his drumsticks, goes, and then door opens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will be referring to the beetle as Ringo, Ringo for now on, or uh, Rango, the much-beloved um, cartoon Gecko. that I've never seen because it was weird. I watched the first five minutes of it. I didn't understand it. So Mara travels through the hatch. We're back at the mountaintop. There's mm-hmm. a grave, and I wrote palace, but we find out later it's that mental hospital asylum that's mm-hmm. just very lovely. 
Daniel, I think, shows up at this point. He's very upset that the boy took her down there, and so then he goes to the portal. And mm-hmm. I think one thing the show does that is a little bit confusing is it it keeps like thinking that Daniel and the boy are not aligned, like not uh, allies. But then every time they meet, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, bro, you good? Yeah, I'm good. You good? And like, <laughs> that, I mean, once again, that's essentially the dialogue. But I don't know that... I just remember being thrown off here because I was like, oh, the boy did something that Daniel didn't want him to do. But then when they meet, they seem to be working towards the same end, right? They're they're working together. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Like they're they're going at it from different directions, but I think they're both their goals are the same. Got it. Got it. But I love this visual that we get here too, right? Where they go out of the the hole or whatever, you know, the, the portal, if you will. And then when it cuts and shows them walking out of the portal and you just see this black square on the black background and just all snowy mountains or anything behind, it's just super, super cool looking. I love it every time they do it. Yeah, yeah. I always think to myself, what if I ran into that in the wild? Like, what would I, <laughs> what would I do? Like, say I was riding through the West Pasture and all of a sudden I came upon a giant black hole in the ground. Like, what would be my first thing that I would do? Um, I would probably take a shovel full of dirt, throw it in there, and then I'd throw the shovel in there, and then I'd jump in there. Those are the things that I would do. So if I ran into a square on a mountaintop, I'd throw a rock through it, and then I'd get mad, and I'd jump through it, because that's what a normal, rational person would do. Mm -hmm. Royal. Anyways, (laughs) the boy and Daniel have a conversation and they're kind of doing this over the grave, right? I think the boy is literally looking at the uh, the cross that's on this freshly dug grave. Yeah, I'm confused by these two's motivation, but the conversation is like, Daniel's like, it knows we're here now, and the boy's like, we've never made it this far, maybe it'll work this time. She didn't remember, and Daniel's like, he won't find you. And so... I feel like, are we in like, and maybe I'm just thinking of this because it's kind of a popular like video game trend right now, but are we in like a time loop? Is that, did you get the sense that when he says we've never gotten this far before, Mm -hmm. did you feel like, like events were happening over and over again? Absolutely. Uh, And and Dark has some of this too. Mm -hmm. Um, For those of you that don't know, and you're joining us on episode five for no reason, um <laughs> these guys also created dark which is a timey wimey show but anyways the like things repeating themselves and like happening in different ways or like kind of a time loop situation i feel like dark was a little bit but this is what i got when he's like we've never made it this far before that's kind of mm-hmm. how i felt was i wrong oh yeah in feeling I that time? no tell me how i should have felt <laughs> I don't think there's any other way you can take this, like the idea that they've done this multiple times. I think that's that's what we're supposed to take from this. Um, but the way like Daniel, I think he like holds his shoulder and reassures him when he says like, hey, I've got to go make sure they don't sink the ship. You stay here. Don't worry. He won't find you. It almost made me think of more of a father-son type of relationship. So I feel like I'm leaning more towards, you know, Daniel potentially being the father of the boy. Sure. I don't know that I got the father-son vibe. I got more of a like uh, Jack and Diane type vibe, you know? Jack and uh, Diane or Sam and Diane? I think last time you said Jack and Diane, that's the song. Sam uh, and Diane is Cheers. Like <laughs> a I little said, ditty, Tom, 
about Jack and Diane. <laughs> one day I'm going to be the smart one on this podcast. That day's not today. It's probably not going to be tomorrow. But one day, one day when you're gone and I'm alone here, I'll be the smart guy. I'm your North Star. You are my North Star. <laughs> Anyways, we cut. And I don't know that we've really seen these guys most of the episode, but Angel and Ramiro. Mm-hmm. Uh, Angel seems to be having a very bad reaction to all the craziness that's happening <laughs> on this ship. He is not handling it very well, which is yeah. understandable. I think Angel's reaction is probably the most normal <laughs> reaction um, for this situation. Agreed, agreed. Jerome runs into Clements and Lucien's room and immediately starts tying them up. Once again, situ- I think he does it at gunpoint. Once again, this is a situation where if characters would communicate, it would seem a little less weird, but Mm -hmm. this is a TV show, so he's like, listen, I'm doing this for you, you know, to protect you, and so they start tying themselves to things, Uh, and then we cut to the Danish folk tying themselves up, and this is then where we see Mother Danish seems to have caught the zombie bug, so she is now trying Mm -hmm. to march off of the ship, but... Um, the nice thing about this is if you tie yourself to something, you can't get away. I do want to say we didn't talk about this, but there was a scene when they're in the hallway and they are physically trying to restrain these people from walking. Mm-hmm. And it felt like the zombies all of a sudden had like superhuman strength or these people weren't trying very hard to like restrain <laughs> the zombies from walking. Because right. it feels like if you wanted to be super mean, you could just start kicking the legs out from under all these people, <laughs> which would have been a hilarious scene. Like when someone's walking and you kick one leg so that they cross ankles and like trip, you know, when you do that to your friends because you're yep. normal. Um, if like they were just running through the hallway, kicking the ankles of all these people as they walked. That would have been hilarious. It would have been more funny. Instead of uh, Jerome going in and like tying them to beds, he just tied all their shoelaces together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that would have been great. Or, yeah, or tie them like arm in arm, but they're facing different directions. So they just all (laughs) walk in a circle. They're just spiraling. (laughs) Anyways, we get another sink the ship message. Mm-hmm. And I think, Tom, we talked about this. Is like the message was we they thought sink Prometheus, but really the message is, hey, sink the ship you're on, because bad mm-hmm. things are going to happen. Yep. We get the scene where Daniel's trying to fix the I'm sorry, Tom, give me the name again. The shenanigans. The shenanigans the sh- machine. The machine. I've already forgot. The shenanigans. shenanigans. We'll get there. Well yeah, eventually. Anyways. Trying to fix the shenanigans mainframe and that this coal worker who this guy, I mean, I'd hire this guy right now. He is just diligently shoveling coal while everyone else walked away. He's like, I guess I'll keep the engine running. Um, but then he does beat Daniel over the back with a shovel several times. And apparently Daniel has a spine of, I don't know, um, and Antium, I don't know what the right uh, special metal is. That's the one. Thanks, nerd. Um, <laughs> because he takes like four shovels in the back and keeps on moving. Um, oh, he has a flashlight. The guy's like, what's that? I was like, oh, yeah, flashlights didn't exist. This was kind of interesting. <laughs> this lets you, I mean, this is where, not that we didn't know before, but you're kind of like, okay, there are two timelines happening here. Mm-hmm. 
He kind of like, so Daniel kind of pulls out his little, you know, puppet machine thing and that kind of seemingly shuts the dude down, right? Like, is this the same thing he did to Ada and all the other people that like mysteriously died in the beginning? Like he just hit some buttons on this and like killed them with it? Or is this a different thing, him shutting these people down? No, he, I mean, this is, um, we see the first mate do it as well at certain times, but yeah, yeah. this is. I mean, they did it to switch in the Matrix. Yeah, they're just like they're pulling the them. plug. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay, okay. Uh, but this does make me think, and, and the way they positioned this earlier, that Daniel might be a futuristic werewolf, right? Because this guy was very afraid of werewolves, or was it the other guy? Oh, no. Well, he says, you. He says, what's-his-name was right. You're not getting me, wolf. And then he starts <laughs> yeah. hitting him with a shovel. So... <laughs> It's not off the table, Tom. It's not <laughs> off the table. Um, and I think it's just going to take the love of Bella in order to, you know, make him human again. I don't know. Maybe I'm mixing genres. Are you, are you Team Jacob um, or Team Edward? I, I just want everyone to have fun. Um, <laughs> so I guess that's my answer. We then have Mara, and she's wandering through the asylum. She mm-hmm. walks into the room that's marked 10, 11, mm-hmm. and there's a chair. Looks like a very comfy chair. <laughs> and then the father shows up. And this actor's in other things, and I'm trying to remember what I know him from, but he is recognizable. He is very creepy. <laughs> um, so he's father, and he's like, where did you hide it? And she starts to ask about her brother, and her brother, who I think I thought was named Henry, her brother, who I thought was codenamed Hermano, um, <laughs> is really named Kyrian? Mm-hmm. Is that right? I think so, yeah. Kyrian, Syrian. And I'm assuming he's going to be played by the guy from Tiki Blinders, or whatever, the Peaky Blinders? That's Celine the one. Murphy, maybe? Yeah, I'm assuming he's going to play the brother. Um, I don't know why my brain went there but what's happening on this ship well i don't understand what's happening on this ship she asked what's happening on this ship i have no idea yeah i think she's kind of asking the questions and the and the father which is a, certainly a big revelation here because we've seen this guy before in these flashbacks um and now that we're knowing it's the father i think i almost missed this on the first first go round because she quickly turns sees him and says oh father um but yeah i think she's asking questions about what's going on the ship and he specifically says like you're asking the wrong questions which again love it super weird cryptic whatever craziness uh, and then she wakes back up on the bed so kind of like resets her if you will but obviously she doesn't reset the everything right because the ship is still where the ship is it's not resetting to episode one right but i have to ask you they had mentioned like the idea of the creator we haven't seen any other kind of like high level figure outside of this guy do we think this guy is like the creator as well i mean ultimately god's the creator tom (laughs) but i guess if you're asking me based on the show yeah this is the guy that i assume based on his futuristic space suit later on um Mm -hmm. yeah i'm assuming he's the He's the creator. I do like the response of you're asking the wrong questions. I'm going to start using that more just in daily life. When people are like, hey, man, how you doing? I'm going to be like, you're asking the wrong questions. (laughs) That'd be great. And 
This is how you yeah, lose friends, you know? <laughs> asking the wrong questions and telling people they're asking the wrong questions. <laughs> Wide shot, a lot of people still jumping off this ship, Tom. So many people. I appreciate that they don't mob the railing. They go one at a time. They're yeah, like, there's an true. order. There's a line to this. Mm-hmm. This isn't World War Z. <laughs> Actually, that is a good comparison. It was kind of the way this is filmed does look like that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Larson runs into Mara. He's like, what is going on? And we find out that she is Mara Singleton. Her mm-hmm. father is Henry. And she feels like this ship has been set up so that he can study the passengers because he is very curious about human behavior. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Oh, we also find that her letter is addressed to Henry, which you blew my mind with, but <laughs> it doesn't really matter because it's... it's <laughs> so my mind is no longer blown, Tom. I, I take back my mind blown. Um, because it was addressed to her because her middle name is Henrietta uh, because she was named after her father, Henry. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, This right when this happened, I'm like, oh, swing and a miss, and I was so bummed. I, I think, thought it was clever. I mean, I think the show was trying to do what you caught on to, mm-hmm. so I think you, I mean, you were still right. I just, I mean, my dumb brain, uh, like, this was like, oh, yeah. I was like, all right, this makes sense. Her name <laughs> it was would always be, her. It was always her. <laughs> my big dumb brain. Uh, the brother is still missing, though, which mm-hmm. we're saddened by. And then she uses the beetle. Mm-hmm. Ringo. Ringo. And Captain Larson follows. And then, so I believe they go through the hatch in his room, right? Because this one leads to the woods. The hatch in her room leads to the mountaintop. The hatch in his room leads to the woods, which is where his trauma is. His, for lack of a better word, burnt family house. <laughs> Yes, I think you are right. I don't know if that is exactly how it works. Like, do the hatches just take you down to a specific, like, another world? Or can that hatch take you anywhere? Like, if you had this beetle and Mora used the beetle in his room, would that take it still to, like, Mora's dream sequence area? Or Well, what? she uses it. and I, yeah. So I believe that it's based on what room you're in. And okay. all the st- stuff, as we find out later, is contained within the ship. So it doesn't really matter. It's just a really big ship that has asylums and mountaintops and anyways i've gotten too far ahead um (laughs) they're in the woods by captain larson's burnt out house house is still burnt we -hmm. cut from there and the first mate who is the gentleman with the beard i don't know his name but he is the first mate he then kills the budget um adam driver actor with the mustache (laughs) okay i like it and he uses it with the poppet control. Yes. Um, the Adam Driver comment is based on my wife going, doesn't that guy look like Adam Driver? Several <laughs> times. So I'll give her all the credit. This show would be so lucky. This show would be so lucky. <laughs> Adam Driver would be like, I don't, I only speak English. I don't, what are you guys all? You're fine. You can just say whatever you want, buddy. Yeah, we, we don't, languages don't <laughs> matter here. Go talk to Ling Yi or Olek. And then he does some other stuff, right? He's using the poppet to do some crazy things. Uh, I don't know if he does much here. He just kind of uses the poppet to kind of like 
again, essentially kill this guy if it's the same thing that kind of Daniel was doing because we do find out that this is, I actually take that back. This is where we find out that he is a puppet, right? This is the first time we see that he also has this fancy little machine. It's not just Daniel that has it. Um, we saw then, him work with the shenanigans machine and we've seen him do the code, <laughs> the arrow code, up, down, up, down, whatever, whatever. Code. Yeah. So, but yeah. So we know he's is, in on it, but yeah, this is the first time we find out he's got a, fancy puppet controller yeah fancy puppet controller all the kids are asking for him for christmas mm-hmm. or an fpc wait what he's got an fpc fancy what puppet controller oh okay got it oh man i hate when they do that <laughs> all right um mara thinks it's a dream mm-hmm. and i think she says like she's thinks she's discovered the truth before and this is where we again kind of get that idea of she, this is going on over and over again and maybe she's being drugged to forget what truth she found and she has no idea what what she did find right and they discuss how can any of this be real and captain larson's like hey uh i've got something to tell you i was also on the prometheus apparently based on the logbook Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they high five and they're like Prometheus forever and they do the <laughs> like the twisting fist bump thing anyways <laughs> Daniel stops the ticking by mm-hmm. using I'm assuming the shenanigans machine um, there's a lot of untying that goes on because everyone at the same time had the same thought of let us tie ourselves to um, the back side of this so that when they open the arc of the covenant we won't melt um mrs wilson lucky lucky mrs wilson is it miss wilson or is it mrs wilson is there a mr wilson tom um i don't know i mean it's the neighbor from uh, home improvement right sure okay so we're not going to see his face but she stops (laughs) at the edge and she says something like i felt like i was having a dream and everyone's like, all right, well, we're going to move on from that. Not really ask any more questions. And they all look around and they go, hey, we're all salaried employees for this production. All the extras are gone. And then they get a sink ship message. And Daniel, who is a bright bulb, is like, oh, I think they mean sink us at this mm-hmm. point, yep. which is great. Cue some sort of music drop. Every one of these episodes ends with, I want to know what their music drop budget was because there is not, <laughs> I'm not a big, like, I don't know a lot of popular music from, I don't know, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2030s. <laughs> I don't know any of it uh, just because I was deprived of it. But I feel like I recognize every song the show has dropped at the mm-hmm. end of an episode. Um, and so take us through the needle drop. What is revealed? What, what blows our mind at the end of this episode, Tom? So we get a handful of things, right? So we get the, uh, first mate is the one, is it the first mate that actually comes in, um, and delivers this message to him or no, I take that back. It's another like random guy that delivers this message to, uh, Mara's father who, yep. Who is dressed like he's part of the first order of, (laughs) Uh, the star <laughs> wars i believe is yes. what they're called um so this is like kind of the confirmation earlier when the first mate was kind of typing his up down arrow code that he was actually sending a message to this guy so like yep. that is a, a telegraph to him and it has like project cerberus listed on this little telegraph that he gets 
Um, he mentions that the father kind of says like he wants the boy. Um, there isn't much time. The father kind of like then stares out his window from his little office, which the office seems to be kind of more in modern times, right? There's like yep. electricity and phones. You see the TVs buttons. and stuff on the wall, buttons. Yep. Everybody knows buttons weren't invented until 1902. That's right. This is 1899. Yep. Um, but yeah, looks out the window and sees the massive pyramid outside. So super crazy, super weird. We thought the premiere bid was just going to be small little thing the boy was carrying around but no uh father's got a, a bigger size pyramid sure was this a nice office tom do you think this guy's like is he like top end corporate or is this like he's middle, <laughs> middle management, management trying to move his way up what, what did yeah. you think was this guy he's working his way to the top of that pyramid so he's middle oh, management right now. <laughs> he's like he's like we don't have much more time i'm never gonna get that promotion and then i'm not gonna be able mm-hmm. to afford the swimming pool and my kids are gonna hate me He's the last, this guy's the last true family man. I think they call him Clark. I think Clark Griswold is his name. Anyways, yeah, I was like, oh, cool. Okay, so there's multiple timelines. This guy, like, they made him, like, they made it, like, futuristic, but, like, not modern futuristic. I feel Mm -hmm. like this is, like, Star Trek, like, but, like, original Star Trek TV show futuristic. Mm Because you're like, oh, it's just a lot of lit up buttons and, like, high collared jackets with buttons I don't know. yeah i don't know is it supposed to be like 40s 50s 60s kind of thing something in that area like it's not modern time for sure 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 yeah they haven't yeah. gotten to flying cars like we have in the <laughs> 2050s i don't know when you're listening to this podcast but it's 2050 and we have flying cars yeah so this one ended i was like all right i appreciate i appreciate them throwing this at me i know that they're not gonna like uh give me a quick answer but I'm I'm curious. Uh, as I said at the top, I just appreciated this episode for like the weirdness of let's just have everyone be controlled by some sort of <laughs> weird mind thing and jump off the boat. And yeah, to your point, I mean, to your point or my point, I don't know if this is a shared dream and like to get people out of the way in order to focus on the main characters for Mrs. Wilson to be like, oh, I just had the strangest dream. Like, it would make sense for me that in order to get their, like, consciousness out of this world or out of this dream, Mm -hmm. that they would have a dream. And, like, it's all, like, happening inside of a mind, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, I'm sure it doesn't because the show doesn't make sense. But I'm (laughs) I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I don't get, yeah, what whatever this overarching mystery, like, is at the very end, we're going to have a shot that, like, pans out, and it's all of them connected to some sort of, like, mega mainframe, like, mega shenanigans mainframe that has them all kind of connected in, and, like, are these people still alive? Are they just brains that they're being tested on and stuff like that? Like, this is why it's fun, because I think there's so much stuff to theorycraft and, and kind of mess around with, and we could probably watch the show 10 different times and catch a little bit more each time or, or think about things from a different perspective. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, my only gripe with this episode was there was just so much thrown on us. I liked the, the pacing of some of the earlier ones where they give us some twists, but it's more character focused and not, you know, like so much mystery that gets thrown at us, but, um, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still enjoying it. It's like you mentioned in the beginning, it's made by the guys from dark. So dark is not a show that holds your hand. You gotta, you gotta keep up to their pace. So I'm, uh, I'm willing to try. Wonderful. 
Well, let's move on to episode six, which is called The Pyramid. Thank you for hanging out with us during these trying times, these trying (laughs) times being 1899. If you have questions or confusions for us, you can reach us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. Twitter is still a thing, so you can hit us up at... Team Binge or Team Binge Podcast, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what you think. Like I said, we haven't finished it all, so no spoilers, but uh, if you're if you're at where we are, let us know where you're at. I have two big asks for our audience. One is, I don't know how Twitter works, but our Twitter is all like Rings of Power and Lord of the Rings stuff right now, which I don't <laughs> mind the Lord of the Rings stuff, the Rings of Power stuff. Do whatever it is that you people do to change our algorithm. So is that within their power in order to make sure I don't have to look at Rings of Power <laughs> stuff? Um, well, it's because when I when we were doing the Rings of Power, I heavily tweeted and socialed and all that kind of stuff. So that's why so much of our stuff on our feed is that. Okay. I would have to I, do that to 1899, and I don't want to do that because stuff's going to get spoiled. I want all 1899 stuff. <laughs> so if you are, I don't know, I'm assuming... Tom Twitter uh, is the owner of Twitter. I don't know who owns Twitter. Um, but please change our algorithm so it's only stuff about 1899. It doesn't even have to be about the show. It's just about the year 1899. Just we facts. learned a lot of cool facts in episode one, um, <laughs> which we got a lot of letters about. Apparently, I was wrong on a number of things. But history is what you want it to be, so it doesn't matter. It's not written in stone. All right. I've been Julian. And I've been Tom. Till next time, everybody.